Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. There's a strong link between sports and medicine. If you're not at the top of your medical game, you can't play well, or you just can't play. Welcome to Bruce the Sports Doc with medical expert Dr. Bruce Grossinger. This program looks at advances and breakthroughs in medicine and how it relates to sports. Plus, you'll receive preventative tips and analysis of sports injuries this week. Now, here's Bruce the Sports Doc. Welcome to the newest edition of Bruce the Sports Doc. And we're solidly here in Wiz City with our co-host, Spencer the Wizard. Finally. The preseason is over. You people can wake up. NFL football is on the air in a real exciting week one. And what we decided is Spencer is has a guest analyst, and that would be Wesley Kaminsky, a communications major from Temple University. And what Spencer wants to start out is, just like certain announcers such as Chris Bourbon, he wants to do a two-minute around the league, and then we're going to throw it to Wes for some specific questions about the NFL. So, without any further ado, here's Spencer Grossinger. You're on the clock. Well, buckle your seatbelts, guys. This is two minutes with Spencer the Wizard. And uh, and let's get to it. All I can say is you know it's NFL football season when you're taking a two-hour car ride home and you're plugging in the app for DirecTV NFL Sunday Ticket, a must-have. Yesterday was the greatest day of the week. And really, that's like my Christmas morning is NFL football all over the place. So right now, um, I'm just glaring at some scores. First topic, Robert Griffin III out of Baylor goes into the Superdome. Jonathan Vilma, the Saints, such an emotional weekend with them getting um, privilege back to play in the NFL with Roger Goodell clearing them out of the... Um, out of the scandal that they were in. So the Saints had a very emotional first home game. And Robert Griffin III, the Washington Redskins, the second worst team in the NFL, went into New Orleans. A team that was 9-0 in the Superdome. Griffin, 19 for 26, 320 yards. How many interceptions? No interceptions. Two touchdowns. Washington Redskins football is back. I can't believe it. This guy in his first game, so cool and calm. I mean, he treated the game like it was nothing, like it was just another game, not his first game. Maturity beyond his years. Next, San Fran, impressive game at Green Bay. Two powerhouses. Um, they're going to be great teams this year. I expect maybe an NFC championship preview there. Then we go to Denver, of course. Peyton Manning, um, 19 for 26 as well. 
facing a Steelers defense that knocked him around. He got right back up. He looks like Peyton of old. Even if his arm strength isn't exactly the same, he still looks like he's playing in 2009 mode. His brain is still as high-powered as ever. He's making crisp reads. He exceeded my expectations. So Griffin and Peyton Manning. Then you look at the Jets with Tim Tebow and Mark Sanchez. Sanchez throws an interception, but then Sanchez comes back, and I did not expect that at all. I mean, I already heard Tebow chatter after the first interception, which was like a frisbee pass. You shouldn't even be making that to your dog in the backyard. Horrible interception. So then Mark Sanchez comes back. Bam! Jeremy Curley, hello, welcome to the NFL, Mr. TCU Jeremy Curley. Jets rolled 48 points after scoring no touchdowns in the preseason. Everyone thought the Bills D would be improved, including me. Shows how much I know about NFL football. This league is unpredictable. Best game of the day? Surprisingly, we go up to Minnesota. You'd think it'd be a toilet bowl. You have the Minnesota Vikings and Jacksonville Jaguars. You know I'm a diehard fan if I'm talking about this one. Blaine Gabbard, Christian Ponder, you're looking at me going, what? This game was exciting, okay? Most people didn't watch it, but listen, if you didn't watch it, you gotta go on NFL.com and search the replay. Basically, um, fourth and five, Blaine Gabbard from his 40-yard line of Minnesota, hits Blackman for five yards, converts on fourth down. Then with 20, with 30 seconds left, he throws it up top, touchdown <laughs> to a receiver. I actually forgot, is it Cecil? Cecil Short, I think his name is. Jacksonville scores with 30 seconds left, but then Christian Ponder drives them down the field with under 25 seconds to go. Blair Walsh, 58-yarder. Oh man, so many more topics, but that's just a kickoff. Now I'm going to Send it over to Bleacher Report himself, Mr. Wes Kaminsky. Glad to be here again. My second appearance on WinCity. Um, you know, the two, the two teams I had my eye on this week were um, the Houston Texans, because they were actually my pick to come out of the AFC, and the Chicago Bears. And, you know, both of them had very favorable matchups against um, the Colts and the Dolphins, both two rookie quarterbacks. And, you know, I'm not, you know, people, I, I get the sense that people in Chicago are already going crazy over this, but, I mean, they look good at times, but I wasn't too sold on them just yet. Although, Cutler and Brandon Marshall did have great chemistry again as they hooked up, I believe, I believe Marshall had nine catches for 119 yards, so, I mean, the chemistry is obviously still there. And with the Texans, you know, it does, did not look like their defense lost a step. And, you know, right after the game, Matt Schaub signed his four-year extension. So that's a good sign for them. Well, we have to come to the hometown Eagles who played away against the Cleveland Browns. Certainly, uh, Brandon Whedon comes up with a uh, quarterback rating of 5.00000. Arguably, you know, he's one of our favorite players from Oklahoma State uh, and Unbelievably bad, although Michael Vick did his best to lose the game. Almost threw a fifth interception in the end zone. It's like to, he wanted to lose the game more. Yeah. So yeah. as far as that's concerned, uh, we want to hear Wes Kaminsky about your view of the Eagles game. And also, give us a mini preview. We just saw the Ravens looking like world beaters on Monday Night Football. And the question is, they're going to come rumbling into the link, the link 
next week against the Eagles. So we want to hear, what is your view of the Browns game? Do the Eagles have a chance against the Ravens? First of all, this, you know, the Eagles, when Michael Vick throws it 56 times, it's not a very good sign. I mean, you got to run the football. you got LaShawn McCoy, who ends up with 110 yards on 20 carries. I mean, the Browns didn't really have an answer for him. He fumbled in the first quarter, I believe. But other than that, he was pretty unstoppable. And, you know, I think Vic was just throwing it way too much, making bad decisions. Um, he, he had four interceptions. He, he, he should have had more, to be honest with you. He almost had a fumble, but he recovered it. And then, as Bruce mentioned, the, inter- the near interception, the end zone, with, I believe it was a minute left. Um, you know, luckily for the Eagles, they were playing the Browns, Brandon Whedon gave the game away, and I mean, it's just not, it's, Eagles fans, it's not really a promising start, but the important thing is they did get the win, and, you know, the Ravens, yeah, the Ravens look tough, um, I don't, you don't know what to expect next week, I, you know, I definitely expect the Eagles to play better, they can't play much worse, but if Vic has a similar performance as he did in week one, not going to be as easy because you don't you have Joe Flacco on the other side who looked very good in his first game this season. Absolutely. Um, first off, I'm a big fan of the no huddle offense. Peyton Manning in the second half when he went no huddle on Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh couldn't substitute players, and you just get off more plays. You get in rhythm, and if you have a quarterback that can function in no huddle, it's a huge advantage. So Joe Flacco is also adapting that now, and you saw that on Monday Night Football. He unveiled his two minute no huddle offense. Um, first of all, um, Jacoby Jones. Um, a new guy from the Houston Texans, Torrey Smith, Dennis Pitta, um, and Bolden, Anquan Bolden, who had a big touchdown to open up the game. Their passing game is so much improved. I look at Flacco, could be a top 10 quarterback. He's always had the arm strength and the tools. He just needs to get the mental aspect down. Fifth-year guy um, entering his prime of his career. So right now, Baltimore looks great. Talking about the Eagles, and this is my theory yesterday, Michael Vick, as you well off know, didn't have a lot of preseason reps. Nick Foles had all the reps. So Andy Reid was figuring, we're going in the Cleveland, we're going to get the win anyway. Let's just send Michael out to throw as many times as possible like an extended practice. The Eagles treated that game as like a fifth preseason game. And again, Vic was just dropping back versus a fairly good defense in Cleveland. Cleveland was 31st the run um, last year, and they were good versus the pass with Joe Hayden um, in the secondary. So you look at Vic, and he had time to throw the ball in the pocket, but his decision-making was off. I think he's more elusive also when he runs. I mean, people are afraid of him getting injured, but that's the thing you got to deal with if you're a Michael Vick fan because the element of him running scares defenses, and when he gets outside the pocket, he has no lineman to look over, and he's a t- dual threat, which which makes him twice as good. Um, so you, you look at Vic yesterday and just telegraphing passes, just not a strong performance. Then you look at Brandon Whedon. He he freaking made Trent Edwards look like a Pro Bowl player. He made J.T. O'Sullivan look like a conservative quarterback. Probably one of uh, definitely a concerning sign for for Cleveland. A 28-year-old rookie. I mean, he's supposed to come in and be and look experienced at least a little bit. So that's a concern. Um, anyway. Um, Another another storyline from from yesterday. Um, I want to go back actually to the scores of the game, 
Atlanta looked really good. Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, fantasy alert. Wes, what team? What teams really improved to you over the off season? The teams that I look at that re- that I really liked yesterday. Atlanta looked great. Um, and actually, I want you to talk about yesterday. I know your brother Gabe is a big Panthers fan. The Tampa Bay Carolina game, Cam Newton sophomore slump. So talk about Cam and talk about Matt Ryan this year and how they're both getting off to different starts. You know, first of all. Um, yeah, the Panthers really didn't look like, you know, they could never, they couldn't get the running game going at all. At the Bucks had one of the worst rushing defenses in the league last year, and then playing without Jonathan Stewart still, um, D'Angelo Williams totaled six carries for negative one yards. I mean, and Cam Newton could never get in a rhythm, although he did finish with 303 passing yards, but, you know, the pre- he was pressured all game long, and it was just, it was weird to see, you know, because last year he had a lot of success. And and Greg Schiano looked like he really has made an impact in Tampa Bay, although it's only a one-week sample. That team looked like they had discipline, whereas last year with Raheem Morris, they, you know, they just did not look disciplined at all. And now could be different. You know, Josh Freeman, who's who looked good last year, a rough year, but this year could be a could be a new year for him. You know, and uh, with the Falcons, the you know, Falcons are another team I've had my eye on the AFC. Um, I've had a soft spot in my heart for Matt Ryan, obviously, because he is my fantasy quarterback. And well, you're lucky great, for that. It was a great game for me yesterday. So, but the Falcons looked really good. You know, they changed offense with you know they're throwing a lot more now. And Julio Jones could emerge as a top five, three receiver this year. And uh, and of course they have Roddy White too. I mean, this is a team to keep your eye on. With the Saints struggling, uh, this division could be theirs to win. I, I agree with that. Well, as we come to the end of our initial segment, I want to preview segment two. We're going to talk a little bit and focus on the quarterbacks. I especially want to pay specific tribute to Peyton Manning. I'm going to talk a little bit about his neck condition. And he was definitely tested last night with some serious hits from the Steelers. But as it is, we're going to be, again, mixing sports medicine with a lot of NFL football and we want to thank everybody down the Voice America Sports Line. We want to thank Sports Director Ray Ellis. And again, stay tuned. We'll be back in three. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Dr. Bruce Grossinger is a board-certified neurologist and managing partner of Grossinger Neuropain Specialist. Serving the Philadelphia and Wilmington, Delaware areas in the fields of sports medicine, pain management, interventional spinal surgeries, and occupational medicine, Dr. Bruce is the director of the National Sports Concussion Program and works as a senior medical advisor for the National High School Coaches Association. We're involved in the propagation of increased safety measures in all levels of sports participation to render the games safer in terms of brain and spinal injuries. This involves education of athletes, parents, trainers, coaches, 
and administrators at the amateur and professional levels. Clinical consultations and treatment can be scheduled directly with Dr. Grossinger at 610-521-6063. Visit Dr. Bruce online at brucethesportsdoc.com. Again, for consultations and treatment, call 610-521-6063 or visit brucethesportsdoc.com. internet flagship station for sports voice america sports you are listening to bruce the sports doc with dr bruce grossinger if you have a question or comment about today's program please call in at 1-888-346-9144 that's 1-888-346-9144 or send an email to bruce at BruceTheSportsDoc.com. Now, back to the show. Well, welcome back, guys. This is Wiz City. We're still kicking it with Wes Kaminsky, Bruce Grossinger here at our studios in Wiz City. Um, we just witnessed our first football Sunday of the NFL season, and right now just things are really getting off to a hot start. It's my favorite time of year. Even though I have to go back to school, I still know that Sunday's are still for um, for football, and then Monday at the lunch table, you know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about fantasy football, and you know what, Wes? A lot of our viewers play fantasy football. Which players really stood out to you on this week one? Um, you know, Julio Jones, you mentioned, really had a big week. Arian Foster, Ray Rice, the top guns. Um, which you can go wherever you want with this. What are your fantasy observations this year since we are both avid fantasy participants? Um, you know, a few players that stood out for me were one, Reggie Wayne, who looks like he may have a rebirth of Andrew Luck. Uh, he finished with nine catches and he had over 15 targets. So, I mean, he's the, he's really the only option in the passing game for the Colts. And as a rookie, Andrew Luck is going to target him a lot. So I think he could be due for a big year. Also, I I was looking at Stephen Ridley on New England. You know, New England really hasn't had a steady back for a while. And Ridley ended up with 125 yards and a touchdown. And he looks like he's the, the guy in New England. So, I mean, if you, if you have him on your team, I think he could be due for double-digit touchdowns. Absolutely. Absolutely. Just a guy who can get it done on the one-yard line. Um, and Steven Ridley, the starter there. Same with Green Ellis in uh, Cincinnati. But Ridley, his value in the draft, you have to look at their value. A couple guys that are overrated a little bit this year, in my opinion. Um, you look at Matthew Stafford. He was a guy who was taken very early in drafts, and he is off to a very rough start with the interceptions, hurting his fantasy owners. Um, and then a guy that I should address, Adrian Peterson, um, a lot of people who had Adrian Peterson might have even put in Toby Gerhardt in his, in his spot. I was fortunate enough to start Adrian Peterson, but to be honest, I, I didn't know if he'd be um, as up-to-date as he was, but he marched in um, for, I think, three touchdowns, 21 fantasy points overall. And another guy who really held up the bargain, who was a pleasant surprise on my fantasy team, is a guy who's an older back, but Frank Gore yesterday had a nice day um, in fantasy football as well for the 49ers. Um, so 
what what quarterbacks um are you are you looking at um in fantasy this year as as picking it up you know we had Romo Joe Flacco with a nice day um again do you have any other players that you want to mention well as I mentioned before Matt Ryan who I was actually very high on this year as they've really transformed to a passing team and so far it looked good with him four touchdowns um you know he's really and Philip Rivers is another guy who I was targeting this season. And right now, actually he's playing right now, but right now he's one touchdown against the Raiders. And I think that, I just think that he could have a bounce back year after last year. He had 27 touchdowns and 20 interceptions. But I think that, you know, that's, that was really his, his worst year of his career. And he's always been a solid fantasy option. And he's a guy that you, you could get in the sixth or seventh round. I think that's very good value. Yeah. And in addition, um, Obviously, you mentioned Robert Griffin III before, and he looked like he could be the Camp Newton of this year, as he just he looked unstoppable through through the air mainly. And if you have him too, you know. Yeah, absolutely. I love Rivers, especially since Matthews is not in, and a great value pick. Griffin yesterday was. Um, you know, you, I looked at Griffin and I didn't think that his arm strength would be ready for the NFL game. I looked at his pro style offense in, in uh, Washington compared to his time at Baylor where he was in the spread doing a lot of option reads and pitch plays. So he really just picked up things so quickly and, uh, he looks like he's definitely better than Luck and he could definitely be in the Cam Newton range. He had the second best statistical day for a rookie quarterback ever yesterday. So I definitely agree with those assessments. And just an alert, me and Wes Kaminsky are actually battling um, in fantasy in two weeks. So all the viewers out there listening right now, that's right. Wes Kaminsky, Spencer the Wizard, fantasy football Two teams battling for it all. The great rivalry, Kaminsky versus Grossinger. We're going to broadcast and preview that right here only on Wiz City Voice America Network. We're going to actually unveil our teams in two weeks. Um, Looking forward to that. Yeah, it should be great. Um, right now, I want to talk about sleeper picks for the NFL. Which teams yesterday pleasantly surprised you? going into the season, and teams that you had lower on your NFL preseason rankings, um, which teams really stood out to you and surprised you in this first week of the NFL? Um, you know, the New York Jets, I was, you know, after the preseason, they scored one offensive touchdown, so I was not expecting an offensive outburst of 48 points like they did. And I was very surprised by that. Sanchez, Sanchez looked like a different quarterback. And granted, the Bills' defense, I don't know what happened. They were supposed to be revamped. But I know the Jets the Jets really stood out, as well as the Redskins. Um, winning in the Superdome is not tough. It's not easy. And, you know. Yeah, I look at Morris, too. The running back for Washington had a big day um, on the ground. Yeah, and and that's a great pick there. A lot of people haven't heard of him. Alfred Morris, um, 109 yards, a touchdown, really ran the ball well. But they put up 40 points in the Superdome. And then their defensive line with Arakbo and Washington's defense – they have a legitimate chance to really cause a stir in this NFC East, and that really gives some power to the NFC East as one of the best divisions in football. And 
We can talk about the divisions pretty soon, which ones are the best. I just want to give a shout-out again to the Denver Broncos as my team. That shocked me. I picked Pittsburgh, a conservative pick, because Pittsburgh, I know, would have a solid defense, even though a couple of their guys in their secondary were out yesterday. I picked Pittsburgh to beat Denver. I just thought it was too early, too soon for everything in Denver to click under Peyton Manning. I thought that there would still be some holes there. I thought he would need to develop chemistry chemistry and his arm strength and getting hit I thought would get in the way but no Peyton Manning was tremendous in the second half I think they scored 21 points against such a productive outing 29 of uh, 19 of 26 throwing the football including a huge misdirection screen pass to DT Demarius Thomas going down the field and scoring Von Miller on defense and, and, uh, Elvis Dumerville, their defensive line and their defense looked very solid. Tracy Porter with the capping interception. Even though Ben Roethlisberger converted on a lot of third downs, Denver limited the big play offense of the Pittsburgh Steelers. So Denver, Super Bowl contender. Wes, what do you think of the Denver Broncos yesterday? I'm impressed, man. Yeah, you know, Similar to you, I thought the Steelers would come in there and win after losing the Broncos last year. They would be hungry for revenge. Um, yeah, I did not expect Peyton Manning to look like that. He didn't look rusty at all, and the defense looked good. Uh, you know, they got a lot of they have weapons on offense. The Demarius Thomas, um, No. Sean Moreno even showed life, and the Broncos could definitely make some noise this year. But a team I we haven't touched on is the 49ers who went into Lambeau Field and beat the Packers. You know, uh, since Jim Harbaugh took over, the 49ers turned into Super Bowl, Super Bowl contenders just one season. And Alex Smith finally looks like a number one pick. And he outdueled Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. And you know, the 49ers, with that defense, they might be the favorite to come out of the NFC. I definitely agree. I think San Francisco right now is the best team overall in the whole NFL because you look at their defensive line. The Giants won the Super Bowl just on their defensive line. Um, and uh, San Francisco, the hungriest team, they tackle. They're monsters on the field, just a lights-out defense. Today, Antonio Pierce on ESPN compared them to the 2000 Rex Ryan Baltimore Ravens defense with Lewis and Ed Reed. Um, and, and Suggs, well, Ed Reed in their prime, um, in Baltimore. So again, San Francisco, I completely agree. Super Bowl favorites right now. Best defense. Alex Smith looked great. Even Randy Moss got into the action. Packers will be fine. Don't overreact because they just lost two games. I expect them to come out with a big win. Um, this first day against the Bears. They still have Aaron Rodgers, but right now, San Fran, you got to give them the edge over Green Bay, but two good teams out there. Yeah, I think the Packers also have, you know, people are, you know, going crazy over this loss. The Packers do have some concerns on the, on defense. They had it last year, too. That's why they couldn't get past the Giants, among other things. And that defense is going to have to improve because I don't, I don't, I don't see them beating a team like San Francisco in the playoffs. Well, uh, just wanted to just briefly touch upon the, uh, the game that we kind of forget about because it was a Wednesday night game. There, there was only one Wednesday night game, and that was this Wednesday. And uh, really surprising, uh, Tony Romo throwing for over 300 yards and the Cowboys upsetting the Giants 
despite a crowd of 82,000 strong. We have an expert here on the New York Giants, and that would be Spencer the Wizard. So real quick here um, about the New York Giants. First of all, as a fan even, I'm having a Super Bowl hangover. I'm looking next to my dad who's been an Eagles fan. The Eagles haven't won a Super Bowl since 1960. The Giants have been lucky enough and fortunate enough and they have done it by skill, but they've won two Super Bowls in the last four years, including last year in probable run through the playoffs, a 9-7 and seven team. But again, the hottest team in the NFL, best with, with such a great defense and quarterback in Eli Manning. And they beat the Patriots in the regular season last year. They had the capability of putting it together. Everyone got healthy, made a hot run, won the Super Bowl. So this year, even as a fan, my motivation is down. And the Giants know their recipe for success is not winning early in the season. It's winning late, squeaking into the playoffs, or actually storming into the playoffs is a better word, and picking up momentum at the end of the year. It's all about how you enter the playoffs. Green Bay did it in 2010. They were the last team to get in, the wild card, but they went undefeated in the last three games of the regular season and in the playoffs. So that's the recipe for success, is finishing hot at the end of the season. So the Giants... First game back, they're thinking, you know, we won the Super Bowl last year. We played in so much more important games than this first game. We have nothing else to prove. Uh, we are Super Bowl champions. Why are we going to come out here on week one? Last year, we were Super Bowl champions. We lost to Rex Grossman, got embarrassed by him on week one. So Dallas looks really good. They're a hungrier team right now. Giants secondary is weak. Tony Romo props. What do you think? Well, unfortunately, we're out of time. So we want to thank. We've, we're over 12 minutes, so uh, we don't want to get the hook. I have to fly. I have to throw out everything. I mean, these 12 minutes are crazy. It's, it's hard. I want to throw out everything, but I think we did a great job. Well, I, I tend to agree. But we want to thank our, our guest, Wes Kaminsky, our analyst from TheBleacherReport.com. Everybody, uh, he's a tremendous writer, and uh, we always enjoy having him for the NFL Roundup. So... Uh, we want to thank you to all the listeners around the Voice America Sports Network. And again, stay tuned. We'll be back in three. The opening kickoff is a beauty. It's a fly ball deep right field. That goes O'Neal. He's at the shot. Got it. With 2.8 seconds left. Left to left. school to the pros we, we cover, everything. cover everything let your voice be heard voice america sports dr bruce grossinger is a board certified neurologist and managing partner of grossinger neuropain specialist serving the philadelphia and wilmington delaware areas in the fields of sports medicine pain management interventional spinal surgeries and occupational medicine dr bruce is the director of the national sports concussion program and works as a senior medical advisor for the national high school coaches association we're involved in the propagation of increased safety measures in all levels of sports participation to render the games safer in terms of brain and spinal injuries this involves education of athletes parents trainers coaches and administrators at the amateur and professional levels. Clinical consultations and treatment can be scheduled directly with Dr. Grossinger at 610-521-6063. Visit Dr. Bruce online at brucethesportsdoc.com. Again, for consultations and treatment, call 610-521-6063 or visit brucethesportsdoc.com. 
your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You are listening to Bruce the Sports Doc with Dr. Bruce Grossinger. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call in at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to bruce at brucethesportsdoc.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome to the next segment of Bruce the Sports Doc. I'm your host, Dr. Bruce Grossinger, and... We have a sports medicine and neurology practice outside of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. If you're within driving distance of our practice and you need help with a concussion, neck or back injury, or other sports medicine problem, you want to call us at Grossinger Neuropain Specialist, 610-521-6063. To start off this segment, it's a special day. It's September 11th, 2011. It's that time of year we pay tribute to the 3,000-plus fallen victims of the attack on the World Trade Center. So as we uh, mark that somber moment, we note that the they're rebuilding the two World Trade Center buildings, and they also have permanent monuments to the victims. Recently, there was a tribute actually on uh, 60 Minutes about the Navy SEALs uh, Team Six that uh, that got Osama bin Laden. So uh, there's been some news relating to September 11th and Osama bin Laden, and. Uh, while this is a sports show and a show where we analyze sports, it's very important to uh, to acknowledge that today is September 11th, 2012. One of the main mission statements of our show is to go over sports-related injuries and to explain and discuss the medical aspects of the injury. There was a very substantial injury this Saturday, the first, actually not the first, but the second week of college football, and uh, in the game, the game of Tulane versus Tulsa, there was a head-to-head collision, a helmet-to-helmet collision, where Devon Walker, who is a uh, who's a safety for Tulane, was essentially diving to make a tackle, and a very large. Lineman on his own team. They went head-to-head. And you saw the play that Devon Walker was essentially hit. His neck buckled. His whole body flipped over. And he was motionless on the field. Medical personnel came out, initially rendered CPR. As is the case with injuries like that, there's always a lot of you know, rumors that, that spread, not, not bad-intentioned. But there was a rumor that they had to do a, a tracheostomy, which would be a cut down of his uh, trachea, of his breathing tube on the scene. As it turns out, that, that really wasn't necessary. They did CPR at the scene right on the field. And they also, uh, you know, put him in a spine immobilizer. It turned out that he suffered a fractured neck. And just recently 
which is yesterday as the show airs, he attended a three-hour surgery in southern Tulsa. So this is Devon Walker, a senior, a pre-medical student at Tulane, and tried to give you an update on his condition. It was stated that there would be constant monitoring, care, and attention. There was also a reference to Eric Legrand, who was the Rutgers defensive tackle, who suffered paralysis from the neck down and stabilized and is now able to stand and has some motor function in his arms and legs. So Legrand was certainly a uh, a very positive outcome. And he he made an inquiry with Walker's condition. And there's a quote in USA Today about... Legrand, who who was the the Rutgers tackle, talking about Devon Walker's neck injury. So looking back on it, Legrand told USA Today in a tele in a telephone interview, "Right now he's in shock. He has no idea what's going to happen to his body or how his life is going to change. Basically, everything that is unknown is so scary. It's one of the scariest things in life because you have no idea where your life is about to take you." So. He referenced the swelling in the neck. And this is important from a teaching standpoint to understand that there is swelling in the spinal cord immediately following a neck fracture. And this can impair neurological function. That is, the flow of information going from the brain through the spinal cord to the extremities is, you know, obviously the spinal cord transmits that activity. And when there is something called edema, which is swelling, the initial presentation neurologically um, is often, you know, it, it's very difficult to predict the ultimate future. There was significant swelling, and in fact, they waited a day for the swelling to go down. This leads us into talking about how do you manage spinal cord injuries, and this is very important uh, for sports trainers and coaches, and I myself, I don't, I don't like to talk about myself too much in the show, but I, um, you know, used to play ice hockey, and you know, after college, I continued to play, and I was in a tournament, actually in Montreal, and I had, um, I actually had a neck fracture, and uh, I was very lucky that my spinal cord was not injured. That was about 15 years ago, and I do remember the feeling of being on the ice and being immobilized being taken to the emergency room, undergoing you know CAT scans, X-rays, and eventually MRIs. And my treatment was such that I had to be in an immobilizer for approximately three months, and um, I had to miss you know a substantial amount of time in my job as a doctor. So I c- I could relate um, to a very small extent because I was very blessed to. Again, I was playing ice hockey. And I was wearing a helmet, full gear. And um, just was very lucky that that I didn't have a spinal cord injury. And that was um, the last time I played. So let's talk about how you treat people who have neck injuries. Number one, uh, depending on on any sport, football or hockey, the key thing is to make sure the neck is stabilized. That is, when somebody uh, is is knocked down and there's a suspicion of of a neck injury, uh, there, there's a, a, a an immobilizer, a hard collar that's placed. The patient is placed on a on a stretcher, a backboard, 
and they're often given intravenous fluids. In the first 24 hours following a spinal cord injury, such as Devon Walker's neck injury, there are high-dose corticosteroids that are given intravenously. And the purpose is to reduce the swelling and to therefore optimize the situation. And this usually occurs a day or two before the surgery. So again, the three-hour surgery is actually a spinal fusion where the bones in the neck, which are the cervical vertebrae, are fused. And the state of the art now, they usually use titanium plates and they use screws, which are called pedicle screws. So there's often a, a bone graft, either from the patient's own hip or from a donor pool, a cadaver pool of bone. So the way, and I'm not a neurosurgeon, I'm a neurologist, but obviously I have to know about what goes on in surgery. A, uh, a bone graft is placed, and therefore the neck is stabilized via something called fluoroscopy, where the bones are lined up perfectly, and then there is a uh, bones are placed to stabilize the area, and then plates and screws are added. And the plates and screws are very helpful in providing additional stabilization. The material for the plates are usually titanium. And if you're a golfer out there, you probably know that they're, the, the new drivers are very lightweight, very functional, very strong. And therefore, titanium is uh, is very useful material with respect to surgical supplies and with respect to neck fusions. So Devon Walker's life changed in one play. He is a senior majoring in cellular and molecular biology. And I'll tell you folks, having taken those fields, um, must be a very bright guy. And there was tribute paid by the University of Tulane. Dr. Greg Stewart who's the director of sports medicine, states that the long-term implications and outcomes are unknown at this time. So at, at the time this show is going to press, Devon is still you know post-operative. And we also recall the remarkable story of Adam Taliaferro. Adam Taliaferro was a safety for Penn State in the glory years. And he himself suffered a catastrophic neck injury with his spinal cord fracture. And I had the pleasure of meeting Adam and also paying tribute to uh, uh, to him at a sports medicine conference recently at Cherry Hill, New Jersey. Adam is a, uh, he's an attorney at a, a firm called Marshall Dennehy at Cherry Hill, New Jersey. He's extremely active uh, with respect to his uh, his legal field. I believe he also has political aspirations. He's extremely outgoing and uh, in, in, in meeting Adam, uh, truly a great outcome in the sense that he has just a tiny bit of weakness in his uh, one of his upper extremities. He's got a little bit of spasticity, uh, but he could, he could walk you know perfectly. And here's a case of a guy who received great care. He happened to have been injured in Ohio State, and there's a great, you know, in Columbus, Ohio, and he underwent a, uh, a neck fusion and rehabilitation and a real smart, strongly motivated person. And we only wish the best for Devon Walker. It's it's way too early to predict. But if we look at Adi Abteliaferro and uh, we also look at uh, the player Legrand from Rutgers, 
they both benefited from state-of-the-art medical care, from uh, from intravenous steroids, a cervical collar, and uh, appropriate surgery and rehabilitation. And as we go on, we look to other um, other methods. For instance, there's something called stem cells, adult stem cells. There's a lot of research about implanting stem cells into the spinal cord to regrow tissue and also about other biomechanical ways of improving extremity function following spinal cord injuries. So, uh, again, this is a somber segment leading off with September 11th and going through uh, Devon Walker, his spinal cord injury. And we will apprise you each week of his progress. And that's, again, part of our mission statement. We want to thank our producer, Michael Mitchell, at Voice America Sports. Our producer, Ray Ellis, uh, certainly a spectacular Philadelphia Eagle, our home team guy. Uh, and we thank him for giving us the opportunity to, to have this time on air. So uh, stay tuned. We have one more segment left. flagship station for sports voice america sports dr bruce grossinger is a board certified neurologist and managing partner of grossinger neuropain specialist serving the philadelphia and wilmington delaware areas in the fields of sports medicine pain management interventional spinal surgeries and occupational medicine dr bruce is the director of the national sports concussion program and works as a senior medical advisor for the national high school coaches association we're involved in the propagation of increased safety measures in all levels of sports participation to render the games safer in terms of brain and spinal injuries this involves education of athletes parents trainers coaches and administrators at the amateur and professional levels. Clinical consultations and treatment can be scheduled directly with Dr. Grossinger at 610-521-6063. Visit Dr. Bruce online at brucethesportsdoc.com. Again, for consultations and treatment, call 610-521-6063 or visit brucethesportsdoc.com. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You are listening to Bruce the Sports Doc with Dr. Bruce Grossinger. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call in at 1 888 346 9144. That's 1 888 346 9144. Or send an email to Bruce at BruceTheSportsDoc.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome to the final segment of Bruce the Sports Doc. I'm your host, Dr. Bruce Grossinger. I'm a neurologist and sports medicine doctor, and I practice in Wilmington, Delaware, and outside of Philadelphia at Ridley Park, PA. If you're within the driving distance of our show, that is anywhere in the tri-state area, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, Delaware, We'd love to see you. We try to bring a brand of proactive treatment and also a uh, fairly down-to-earth style to our medicine. In our office, we have Dr. Stephen Grossinger, my brother, partner, who's also a neurologist. 
we have the esteemed interventionalist, spinal anesthesiologist, Dr. Jason Brazier. And we're also pleased to have our psychological support team headed by Dr. Alan Silberman, who's a professor at Westchester University, as you know, outside of Philadelphia. So should you want to meet us in person, be examined, and benefit from our pain medicine and sports medicine, you could kindly give us a call at 610-521-6063. Today is September 11th, 2012. And we want to um, touch upon some sports that are not covered here often on our show. And first, I'd like to deal with tennis, the major title at the U.S. Open. Last night, Andy Murray, the Scotsman, outlasted Novak Djokovic in a tie for the longest and most grueling U.S. Open match. We're talking about four hours and 54 minutes. And at the end of this, both players were noticeably beaten and battered. Djokovic barely was able to come out for the final game. And again, recapping the scores, Murray wins his first Grand Slam event, winning the first two sets, 7-6-7-5, slipping 6-2 and 6-3 to Djokovic, and then finally taking control 6-2 in the final set. From my vantage point, Andy Murray has had a heck of a year. He won the gold medal in the Olympics, and he is the first British tennis player to win a Grand Slam event since 1936. You heard it right, 1936. Going back to Fred Perry, growing up for all you guys, you, you middle-aged uh, warriors like myself, remember we used to play tennis back in the 70s, and what kind of shoes did we wear? Fred Perry's. Well, that's probably the last time we heard of him until tonight, where they paid tribute to Fred Perry, 1936 U.S. Open Championship. And again, Andy Murray tonight outlasted Djokovic. In breaking it down, it's my analysis that Andy Murray showed an aggressive style. He was basically hitting ground strokes toe-to-toe with Djokovic. And Djokovic, particularly the third set, made some unforced errors which are not characteristic of Novak, who has, have, you know, he's won eight Grand Slam events. So I think in a test of nerves, a test of, of will, Andy Murray was so close, and he finally got over the top. And it was a wonderful, um, wonderful event. As you know, this U.S. Open in New York was marred by terrible weather, extremely windy weather, a lot of rain, And so, therefore, the final, which traditionally is on Sunday, was again carried over, as it was last year, to Monday night, which gave it a perfect primetime spotlight. And again, Andy Murray wins the U.S. Open. And as a fan of tennis, uh, I'm I'm very happy for Andy Murray. Seems like a very nice guy. And it's interesting that Federer was knocked out, Djokovic, they were knocked out of this tournament. It was Andy Murray's time to shine. The crowd in New York was electric, and I believe they were rooting for Murray. And he certainly was a very, um, very humble champion 
and he paid tribute to his opponent, Novak Djokovic. So let's flip to uh, the game of golf. And we're now right in the meat of the FedEx Championship. That is a series of golf tournaments that will determine the FedEx champion. The winner will get no less than $10 million. And right now, Rory McIlroy has been stealing the show. He literally won three wins in his last four starts. He was lights out at Crooked Stick and powered his way to a 567. There was a cluster of excellent players at the top, including Phil Mickelson and Lee Westwood, as well as Tiger Woods and Vijay Singh. And McElroy just did only missed one fairway in his final round. And every part of his game is on. And when you listen to Rory, he is humble. And he said, I don't think I'm quite there yet, but I'm getting to that stage where I'm thinking, this is what I should be doing. So again, he's a young guy. He's only age 23. And we look, and it's certainly reminiscent of Tiger Woods. You have a guy who is basically nerves of steel, uh, really nice person, humble, seems very comfortable in his own skin. And even Tiger Woods paid tribute to Rory McIlroy as, as just a great guy and a nice guy. And, you know, we don't like to say bad things about professionals, but I've met a few of them, and without mentioning names, some of them are not as nice in person as you'd like to hope. But uh, but clearly Rory, Rory McIlroy uh, hasn't lost his roots his feet are his feet. His feet, very nice. His feet are planted square on the ground, and he's heading into the Tour Championship with a strong opportunity to win ten million dollars. We're also looking ahead to the Ryder Cup. One of the for for you golf fans out there, um, it's Europe against the United States, and it's always exciting. Europe has had the upper hand over the last few Ryder Cups, and will certainly. Here at Bruce's Sports Talk, we'll be covering the Ryder Cup and we'll be giving you a uh, a breakdown of you know what unfolds. Flipping back to college football, we can see that Alabama has a team that looks like they're unbeatable. Just incredible coaching, great offensive and defensive play. And the, the other side of the coin is Penn State playing against Virginia. And the young kicker for Penn State Lions missed four field goals. So uh, being a kicker is certainly a uh, a fairly thankless job. The only time you notice the kicker is when he misses the field goal. So the fact this is a young college kid and especially such an emotional year, uh, you know, with everything with Sandusky and Paterno, uh, all the scandals and, and, and the NCAA sanctions, to be in the middle of that, you know, as a kicker, as as essentially the villain, certainly not an enviable position. And I think that uh, the coach, Bill O'Brien, was uh, extremely magnanimous in deflecting the criticism and basically taking um, a lot of it on himself and saying that it's a team sport and that one player doesn't lose a game. And that uh, certainly for uh, kicker Ficken, that's his name, F-I-C-K-E-N, Ficken, um, you know, 
as he said, the sun will rise again. And a lot of times players, um, you know, have to experience, you know, bitter defeat before they, uh, before, before they experience victory. So we'll hope that for, for that one person that he has a chance to redeem himself. Well, this is a short fourth segment. The show went by quickly this week. Again, we want to thank our producer, Michael Mitchell, in the studio in the Valley of the Sun, Phoenix, Arizona. We want to thank the Voice America Sports Network for giving us the opportunity to be on air. Again, I'm your host, Dr. Bruce Grossinger. Our co-host is analyst Spencer Grossinger. And we had a guest from BleacherReport.com, and that's Wesley Kaminsky. And um, that was the first portion of the show we dealt with an NFL breakdown. So, again, thanks so much for listening. Tune in next week for a new edition of Bruce the Sports Doc. As we always say, play safe and don't come in second place. Thanks for joining the discussion this week on Bruce the Sports Doc. Tune in next Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time for another edition with Dr. Bruce Grossinger on the Voice America Sports Channel. We'll see you then. We'll see you then.